Well, welcome to the very first of our branch video sermons. I suspect this is as unusual and strange for you as it is for me. Uh, this is not what I would prefer to be doing. I would prefer to be able to see you and for you to be able to see me in person. Uh, I would prefer to be able to talk with you uh, after the sermon and pray with you and sing with you and encourage each other as we always do. But uh, this may be the best that we can do for the moment. Uh, and I think we should still be thankful to God that we can even do this, that we have the resources to be able to do something like this and, and uh, take advantage of technology in this way. But the reality is we're facing circumstances that none of us have ever seen before. Um, for that reason, we've put our Hebrew series on hold um, and for the next few weeks, uh, we'll be thinking about some Bible passages uh, that speak directly into uh, the current circumstances that we're facing. Uh, we're facing things that none of us have ever experienced. Um, air travel is ground to a halt. Public gatherings are being restricted. In some countries, uh, the health system is, is completely overloaded. Um, people are being confined to their homes. But people are dying. Um, we have missionaries in, in other countries uh, that we're concerned about. Uh, people here are panic buying. Events are being cancelled day after day. Uh, people's holidays are being cancelled. Sports are being cancelled. We had the extraordinary thing. You might have seen it on television the other day. of The MCG completely empty. Uh, for the AFL uh, first season of the A uh, first game of the AFL season, uh, cafes uh, as well and, and restaurants are, are shutting their doors. People are being laid off work. Qantas stood down twenty thousand out of its thirty thousand workers this week. Two thirds of its workforce has been stood down. Uh, the stock markets have collapsed. The Australian dollar has collapsed. I'm sure I don't need to sit here and enumerate for you all the things that are going wrong because I imagine you've seen lots of them on the news this week. Uh, you, you only have to turn on the news to be confronted with uh, these kinds of realities. Uh, we're surrounded by it every day. But with so much bad news surrounding us, we need, I think, to purposely purposefully remind ourselves of the good news of God, of the good news of who God is and what he's done in Jesus. But we need to do that, I think, almost to the extent that if you spend an hour listening to bad news every day, that is the news of what's going on in the world around us, if you spend an hour listening to that, then you almost need to spend another hour listening to the good news of what God has done in Jesus and, and who God is, counteracting the bad news with the good news. Well, as I was thinking this week about what we could possibly spend this time together doing now, uh, what part of the Bible would, would be helpful for us, as I was thinking about that, I was listening uh, to something that I've been listening to over and over again for the last few weeks. I've been listening to Bach's setting of Martin Luther's famous hymn, uh, A Mighty Fortress is our God. That's a hymn based on Psalm 46. Uh, and as I thought about it, I suddenly realized that's exactly what you and I need to hear. I preached on Psalm 46 just a couple of years ago. And as I went back to look at that sermon, I discovered actually that the things in this psalm 
are actually incredibly relevant for the situation that we're facing. I'd actually forgotten that when Martin Luther first wrote this famous hymn, uh, it was not only at the height of the Reformation and all the social and political and religious upheaval that came with that, but Martin Luther wrote this his, his hymn at the time of the Black Plague, when the Black Plague was sweeping through Germany and through much of Europe. And not only was the Black Plague around Luther, but it actually touched his family. His own son became desperately ill and he thought, Luther thought that he would lose his son. And it was in the middle of that pressure and all the other pressures that he was facing in the Reformation that Luther penned that famous hymn. Apparently uh, later, he would, uh, during that time, he would say to one of his friends, Philip Melanchthon, he would say, come on, Philip, let's sing Psalm 46 together to encourage themselves uh, in spite of all that was going on. And I think Luther was right to to latch on to this particular psalm as a source of confidence and hope. And I think that's not just what Luther needed in the Black Plague, but that's what you and I need as well. We need Psalm 46 for this time and for this place. Well, this uh, the first verse, if you like, of this psalm really summarises, I think, the whole point of the psalm. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Who is God to those who know him and belong to him? Well, the first verse tells us three things. It tells us, first of all, that God is a refuge. He's a place of safety. Uh, He's a place that we can go to when every other place uh, is threatened with being overwhelmed uh, or destroyed. God's a refuge. Second, God is our strength. And the writer doesn't mean here that God is, if you like, the source of our strength. Rather, he means that God is a place of strength. God is a fortress. He's he's an impenetrable place. The picture is of this fortress that's set, if you like, high above the mountains, high above all the tumult and distress that's going on around. God's a barricade that no one can get through. He's a high castle uh, that surrounds and protects us. How does that help us? Well, verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The writer says that if God is our refuge and strength, then we don't need to be afraid. Uh, There's lots of reasons, I think, in life to be afraid. There's lots of reasons to be fearful, to be terrified. But there's one great reason not to be afraid. That is because God is our refuge and strength. We won't be afraid, the psalm says, even if the earth gives way, even if the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We won't be afraid even if a flood sweeps over the land, destroying everything in its path. That is, even if the most unimaginable, uncontrollable, unbearable catastrophe occurs, we will not be afraid. 
Well, you and I are not in an earthquake at the moment, but we've had catastrophic fires over the summer that have wiped out enormous tracts of land around Australia. And we're not experiencing a flood at the moment, but we are watching society being wiped out around us. We're facing the real threat of schools closing, of life being put on hold for six months or 12 months or 18 months or however long it will be. We might be facing economic catastrophe. Australia has some of the largest household debt in the world. And if people can't work because there is no work, because places are closed for business, if people can't earn money to pay their loans, to pay their debts, the effects will be devastating. And yet this psalm says, we will not fear. Whatever happens, we will not fear. Look at verse 5. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Here's the picture. The world outside is going to pieces. It's in disarray. There's disasters, wars, violence, oppression, evil. But inside with God is safe. The ground around us might be crumbling. But if you're with God, you're safe. The seas might break their banks and destroy everything in their path. <laughs> but if you're with God, you're safe. That is, the world around us can be turned upside down. And it is. It is at the moment. But we can still trust God, and God is still a safe place, and we don't need to be afraid. Will you get coronavirus? Will you be locked up in hospital for six months, for a month, two months? Will people that you know and love get it? Will you survive? Will they survive? Will the hospitals be overwhelmed? Will they be able to cope? Will your school be closed down? Will your TCE suffer as a result? Will your business have to shut its doors? Will you default on your home loan? Will you lose your house? Will you get to take that holiday that you've been planning, that you've paid for, you've been waiting for? Well, I don't know the answer to those questions, and I'm pretty sure that you don't know the answer to those questions either. But what a huge encouragement it is to know that whatever happens in the world, you're safe if you're with God. Whatever you face today, you're safe with God. Think for a moment about the worst thing that you can possibly imagine happening in this whole situation? What's the worst thing that you can imagine? Well, even if that happens in the next six months or 12 months or whatever it is, you'll be safe. Even if your worst nightmare happens, you'll be safe. It might not be easy, 
but it will be safe. You'll be safe. That might seem like a paradoxical thing to, to say, well, it might be hard, but you'll be safe. But nowhere is that paradox clearer than in, in death. You see, if we're in Jesus, we can face death, we can die, and we can be safe. We can do that because Jesus has died and conquered death. He's died and risen again. So that if we belong to him, when we die, we're safe. Because not only do we share in his death for our sins, but we share in his resurrection to life. You can die, and one day, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you too. And if that's true, if God is a safe place, even in death, even in the worst thing that we can possibly face, if God is a safe place, even in that, then God is a safe place for anything. So God is a refuge and strength. He's a safe place in the storm. But this psalm also tells us that God is an ever-present help in trouble. That is, God isn't just sometimes a source of help. He's not just a source of help help on Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, God is a source of ever-present help. He's always there. He's always with us. He's always there protecting us. If we belong to Jesus, this psalm isn't isn't saying that there's a special physical place that we need to get to where we can find safety. It's not talking about a mountain, a physical mountain or a physical place, a temple or a church that we need to go to. And if we can only get there, we'll be safe. You see, the place of safety in this psalm is not a city or a tower or a castle or anything like that. The place of safety is God. But the remarkable thing is that God is not someone that we have to get to either. God is actually wherever his people are. God has come to us. Uh, That's been true since the beginning of the world. God has always been with his people. From From the very beginning of time, God has been with his people. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the way has been opened for the Father and the Son to send the Holy Spirit to be with us, to to come to us, to dwell in us, to live in God's people. Through the Holy Spirit, God comes and takes up his residence in us, in, in his people. So that if you know God, if you belong to God through Jesus, then God is an ever-present help in trouble. <laughs> that is, the place of refuge is wherever you are. It's not somewhere that you have to find. It's wherever you are. When you go to the shops and when you're afraid of what you can and can't touch and of what you might catch and of what you might encounter, whenever you go to the shops and you're worried about that, if you belong to Jesus, God is there with you. God is there with you, protecting you. If you're at home in self-isolation and quarantine, if you trust Jesus, God is there with you. You might be locked up in the house all by yourself, but God is with you. And if your mum or dad or your brother or sister or husband or wife or friend, whoever it is, if they're traveling, if they trust in Jesus, God is with them too. Of course, sometimes we feel that. We have a sense of that. We feel that God is 
is near us and, and, and we have a tremendous sense of that, a tremendous sense of the love and the comfort of God. But that isn't always the case. Sometimes we can feel alone. We might feel that God has abandoned us for whatever reason, or we might feel that God is far off or he's too distant to help. But whatever you feel, the truth is, is that if you trust God, if you belong to God, then he is an ever-present help. He's always there to help you. He's always with you. He's always holding you by the hand. So God is a safe place amid the storms of life. But God is not only a safe place. God is also a place of rest and refreshment. Verse 4, I think, is such a beautiful verse. Uh, But you can actually almost skip over it uh, as you read through. It it says there in verse 4, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The images of uh, this lush city and through its streets winds this refreshing river. Uh, And as this river winds its way through the city, it brings life and happiness uh, and sustenance. Plants grow alongside it. People draw from it to drink. All the world outside is going to pieces. But inside the city, inside the city is rest and peace. Outside the city, uh, mountains are falling into the sea. Uh, The sea is taking over the land. Nations are in uproar. But inside the city, inside the city, the river is bubbling and children are playing and people are going about their lives as though untouched by what's going on outside. The picture in this psalm is not of people uh, bunkering down in the city, safe but terrified. The picture is of people who are safe but also at peace. And it's such a powerful image, I think, of what life can be like when we know and trust God. That doesn't mean that everything around us will work out like we want it to and we hope it will. It doesn't mean that COVID-19 will disappear tomorrow. It doesn't mean that we won't be infected or that uh, no one we love will die. It doesn't mean that there will be no serious economic downturn. It doesn't mean that life will go back to the way things were once this is all over. It doesn't mean that the next three months, six months, 12 months, two years, and the rest of our lives won't be hard. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it does mean that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of all that, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. In the midst of all that's going on, there's refreshment and peace and even joy. And please realize what that stream is. The Bible actually often uses the image of a stream coming out from the very presence of God, cleansing, revitalizing and renewing the world. It often uses that imagery. You see, it's God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit who is that refreshing stream. Life comes from God. That's the idea. Refreshment comes from God. The reason that this city is a place of life and refreshment is because God is there. It's being near God. It's it's being with him 
that brings us reassurance and hope and life and joy. I think in this time of crisis, you and I will probably be tempted often to try and find comfort and refreshment and joy uh, in a good book or a nice meal uh, or watching a few episodes on Netflix or walking around the block or riding a bike, spending time with the family or, or time with friends or whatever it is. And, and those things have their place. Absolutely. They're all good gifts from God. They're wonderful gifts from God. But if we don't have a deeper foundation than that, those things are just a vapour. If we don't have a deeper foundation, those things are just are, are worthless. You see, what you and I need most of all, every day, every moment of every day, what we need is God. To find refreshment and peace in this time of crisis and in any time of crisis, all we need to do is go to God in Jesus, to go to God through the loving arms of Jesus, spread wide on the cross and to rest in him and place ourselves in his care. How do we do that? We, we do it by drawing near to, to God in prayer, by speaking to him, crying out to him, expressing our trust in him. We need to be people of prayer through this crisis. How else do we do it? We, we draw near to God by reading his words. He draws near to us as we read his words and, and as he speaks through his words in the Bible to us and to our hearts. Uh, we also need to be among God's people. We, we do it through prayer. We do it through the Bible. We, we also uh, do it through, through being among God's people. Notice that the Lord Almighty is with us. He's our fortress. He's our refuge and our strength. The church is the body of Christ. It's Jesus' arms and legs. Uh, they're the people through whom Jesus draws near to us, holds us by the hand, weeps with us in our sadness and rejoices with us in our joy. God isn't simply uh, with me or you as individuals. God is with us. And it's among his people and through his people that God so often draws near to us and meets with us and comforts us and consoles us amid a turbulent world. That's hard for us at the moment. Uh, because we're restricted in what we can do and in, in, in how we can meet together. But it's really important that we don't give up seeking to, to be with each other, to meet with each other. We can't do that like we always have. We can't do it in large numbers. And, and, and in the future, for a time, we may not be able to do it even in small numbers. Uh, I know people in other countries for whom that's true now. They have to do it electronically, over the phone. But whatever the situation, we need to take advantage of what we can do to meet together, to be together, to speak with each other, to encourage each other. If we can do it in person, that's fabulous. If we only do it via Skype or Zoom or Facebook or WhatsApp or phone or whatever it is, that's important too. But we need to be among God's people. And in God's word and in prayer to God as well. God is a place of refuge and strength. He's a place of rest and refreshment. But God is also our hope for ultimate peace. The psalm says in verse 8, 
Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That might seem like a pretty violent end to a psalm about God's protection. It might seem bleak to end the psalm by talking about God bringing desolation on the earth and breaking the bow, shattering the spear and burning shields. But it's important to understand that all those things are part and parcel of God making wars cease to the ends of the earth. I used to read those words in this psalm, be still, and think that it was a command to me not to panic, which sounds like a really encouraging idea, and and it is an encouraging idea. But actually, I don't think that's what this psalm is saying. In fact, what this psalm is saying is even better than that. You see, the vital vision of this psalm is not just for God's people to be locked away in a safe tower while the world outside continues to destroy itself. The final vision of this psalm is for ultimate peace, for God's reign to extend over the whole world. The hope is for war to end and for sickness to end and for evil to be destroyed. The command in verse 10, be still and know that I am God, is not a command to us to not be afraid but a command to the nations, to the world, to the enemies of God, to end their war. God will be exalted above the nations. Well, several hundred years after this psalm was written, a man was in a boat with his friends sleeping. And a storm gathered on the Sea of Galilee while those men were in that boat and that one man slept. And as the storm whipped up and the men in the boat began to panic, thinking that they would drown, they woke up their friend and asked him what he was going to do about it. And as they asked him that, he stood up and he spoke to the storm and said, Be still. And it was. The man who was in the boat with the disciples was Jesus. Not just any man, but the God who made the heavens and the earth. The waters roared and foamed, and God made them still. You see, the disciples were safe because in Jesus, God was with them. In Jesus, the God who made them And the God who made heaven and earth was with them. And so they were safe. It's so easy, I think, for us to think that the best, our best hope for the next six months or 12 months or whatever it is, our best hope is to put our heads down and to lock ourselves up and just survive this pandemic. It's easy for us to think that if if we can just be careful with our money and and save and scrimp, then we can avoid going broke and and we'll get through this recession without any problems. But just surviving is not our great hope. 
Just getting to the other side of the pandemic is not the end goal. The great hope and the end goal is the day that Jesus comes back and says to the world, be still and know that I am God. You see, if you're with Jesus, the good news is that one day the war will end. One day the uproar will cease. One day the turmoil will stop. One day the virus will no, be no more. COVID-19 will disappear. One day there'll be no new infections, no new cases to report. No more news about it. One day it will be no more, not because we found a vaccine, or because our social distancing worked, or because we got to the levels of herd immunity. One day COVID-19 will be no more because Jesus has returned to gather his people. Whatever happens this year, whatever happens in the next few months, even if all your worst nightmares eventuate, if you belong to Jesus, then you're safe in the arms of God. God is still God. He's still there. He's still in control. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Well, the email that was sent to the church, and hopefully you've received, included the words and the music of Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I'd encourage you, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, to take those words and to sing that song. Whether you're with others, whether you're on your own, I'd encourage you to sing that song and praise God for who he is, but also remind yourself of who God is. And I'd encourage you and urge you not just to sing that song now and today, but to keep those words with you for the next however long. And however long this crisis keeps going on, to have those words with you and to keep singing it, to keep praising God for who he is and keep reminding yourself that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble.